Jesus called people to follow him. To believe in Jesus, therefore, is not simply believing that Jesus existed. To believe in Jesus is not a one-time event. To believe in Jesus is to become a follower of Jesus. Not just for a day, not just for a week, but for the rest of your life. And so this morning we're going to be talking about growing as a disciple of Jesus. A disciple is a, is a, a student of a teacher or a follower of a leader. And so as believers, we are to be students and followers of Jesus who is our leader and our Lord. And so believing in Jesus is to become a disciple of his for an entire lifetime. Now, as I was looking online, I saw that, I looked up, what is the definition of a disciple? And one, the first one that came up was a, a personal follower of Jesus during his life, especially one of the 12 apostles. And that's what a lot of people think, right? You say a disciple of Jesus. Well, that was way back then. It was those 12 guys that followed Jesus. But from what we've said already, uh, a disciple of Jesus is simply a follower of Jesus at any time, including today. Jesus' followers during his lifetime were disciples, but the term disciples applies to not just the 12, as we'll see, applies to other people in Jesus' day, as well as all believers down through history to this very day. Luke 6.13 says, And when day came, he, that is Jesus, called his disciples and chose from them twelve whom he named apostles. So you see, an apostle is a disciple, but not every disciple is an apostle. So there was lots of disciples there. And, uh, and so the, the common understanding that the disciples were just apostles is not, is not correct. The same is true today. There are many disciples. Some people are called to apostolic ministry today. Now, they're not the first twelve, but they have a similar type ministry today of planting churches and doing pioneering work for the gospel. Matthew 28, 19 through 20. One of my favorite verses says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things, all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And so, as a disciple of Jesus... As a believer in Jesus, our purpose in life is to make more disciples, to make more followers of Jesus. A disciple here, we are to teach people to be believers, be baptized in water, and to obey everything that Jesus commanded. Now, in Jesus' day, Jewish rabbis had disciples. And these disciples of Jewish rabbis chose a rabbi and they said, I'm going to follow this guy. I'm going to learn everything he has to teach me. And one day I hope to become a rabbi. Now, Jesus turned things around. He called people to follow him. He picked people to follow him and he told them to follow, follow me to become my disciple. God created Every human being with a purpose in life. Every human being. That includes you, it includes me, it includes every person on this planet. He created them with a purpose. 
But in order to fulfill that purpose in life for any person on this planet, they have to become a follower or a disciple of Jesus Christ. That's the only way anyone is going to fulfill their purpose in life. Those who are not disciples of Jesus cannot fulfill God's purpose for their lives. So today we're going to be talking about how we can grow as a disciple of Jesus. The first thing that disciples do is they listen to God's word. You've been here for this message series, you know we're going right through the Gospel of Luke. And we're beginning Luke chapter 5 today in verse 1. It says, on one occasion when the crowd was pressing in on him, that's Jesus, to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. We've talked in the past that people flocked to Jesus because he healed a lot of people. But that was not the only reason. This, this verse tells us that people pressed into Jesus in order to hear the word of God. Of course, there were no loudspeakers, there were no sound systems in those days, and so they wanted to get close to Jesus so they could hear the things that he was saying about the truth of God. And the words that Jesus spoke were the very words of God. Verse 2, he saw, Jesus saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Now, in Jesus' day, fishing was done by nets at nighttime. And I'm told the reason that was is because the fish couldn't see the nets at night. And it was, they didn't swim away. It was easier to scoop up the fish in the nets. And so Jesus was teaching the people during the daytime on the beach on the edge of the lake. The fishermen were coming in from a long night of fishing and they were beginning to put away their nets. And as they were doing that, they were listening to Jesus teach. So Jesus got into one of the boats, which was Simon's. He asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And so Jesus got into Simon's boat. This is Simon Peter's. We often refer to him as Peter. Got into his boat. Peter was one of the fishermen there, and they moved out from the shore. Now this was kind of a an I think a natural sound amplification method. You got out there and the sound would carry over the water and he could speak to a larger group of people than if he had simply be standing on the land. And so we see at this point the crowd listening to what Jesus had to say and we see Peter and his fisherman buddies also listening to Jesus. Uh, Peter was not just listening, but uh, when Jesus said, I want to use your boat. Peter said, okay. You know, he could have said, no, not in my boat. I'm done for the day. I'm tired. You know, I don't want to go out in the water again. But Peter allowed Jesus to use his boat as a preaching platform. And so our story today begins with the disciples, or probably disciples-to-be, people who are not yet disciples, pressing in, trying to hear, and listening to what Jesus had to say. This was not happening in a synagogue where Jesus sometimes taught. It was happening just in the workaday world out there in the open. Disciples listen to God's word. And so as we think about it, the whole concept of being a disciple of, of anyone, but especially Jesus, means that we need to listen to what he has to say. You, you can't be a disciple or a follower of someone if you don't listen to what they have to say. 
And so how does Jesus speak to us today? We can't see him like the disciples 2,000 years ago could. We can't see him, but he's still here. So how do we listen to Jesus? Well, Jesus speaks to us in a number of ways. He speaks to us through the written word, through the Bible. It's God's word to us. We have the words of Jesus in the Gospels, and he has told us that all of God's word talks about him. And so we can hear him speak to us as we read God's word, both the New and the Old Testament. How do we listen to God's word? One of the ways, you're doing it right now. Somebody can teach us. We can listen and we can learn from someone else who God has called to preach the word of God to help you understand God's word. That's one way to hear God's word, part of a local church family. We have examples in the Bible of, we just gone through one this morning, of people listening to Jesus in a large group. Uh, we have examples in the New Testament of people listening in smaller groups where they can talk and question and converse over God's word. And so today we have the same things, Sunday morning service, so basically a one-way uh, conversation in which I talk and you listen in the small groups that we have during the week. Uh, you can ask questions and there can be interaction there too. Both are important as ways to listen to God's word. Finally, you, you need to, God's word tells each of us, to listen to God's word on our own. To take time each and every day to read God's word, to ask God what he's speaking to you in and through it, and then to put it into practice in your life. I don't believe a person can grow as a disciple of Jesus without listening to him speak to us through the word of God. We've been talking about this curriculum that we've started on Sunday mornings and on the Wednesday night uh, life group called Listen. It's all about reading God's word and then listening to what he has to say to us through it. If you're not part of a life group, we encourage you to attend one of the ones that we have. We understand everybody's schedule is different. And if you'd like to be part of a life group, but it doesn't fit your schedule, your work schedule or whatever, let me know. I can't promise we'll immediately pop one up just for you, but we will take that into account when we're thinking about starting new life groups or new times. Disciples listen to God's word. Now, disciples don't just listen to God's word. Disciples obey Jesus' commands. Our story continues in verse 4. It says, when he, that is Jesus, had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water, into the deep, and let down your nets for a catch. Jesus finished his teaching to the crowd. He saw Simon Peter there. He spoke to Simon. Jesus didn't ask Simon to do something. Jesus told Simon what to do. He said, this is what I want you to do. He gave him a command. Now, that command seemed like nonsense to Peter. It seemed like nonsense to Simon. We understand that in verse 5. Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and, and took nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. So as we mentioned before, fishing in that day was always done at night. Simon and his men had worked all night in this area of the lake, 
and had caught nothing. Uh, the fish just weren't, I oh, can't say, I was going to say the fish weren't biting, but that's not how they caught fish back then. Uh, the fish, who knows uh, the, why they couldn't catch any fish, but they, the men were tired. Uh, their work day was over. They were cleaning their nets. They were taking them out of the water. They were stacking them up in the boats or wherever they were putting them away. And now Jesus was telling them to go out again. The day was over for them. They wanted to rest. I mean, they probably had to sleep. I mean, people have to sleep if you work all night, right? You got to sleep during the day. That's how it is. They were getting ready to sleep. Their nets were put away. And Jesus was saying, go out again, get those nets out, and throw them in in the same place where they had not caught anything after working all night. We have to hand it to Simon, despite all these reasons not to obey Jesus, he said, okay, because you told me, I'm going to do it. Now, what do you think Simon was thinking? He was thinking, this is not going to work. I'm just humoring Jesus. He's not a fisherman. He doesn't understand this stuff. I'm going to do it, but this doesn't make any sense at all to me. But what happened? Was Simon's fisherman knowledge a good predictor of what was going to happen, or was Jesus promise. You see, Jesus actually made a promise. He said, let down your nets for a catch. These are promising if you let down your nets, you're going to get a catch of fish. Well, you all know what did happen in verse 6. And when they had done this, let down the nets, gone out, they enclosed a large number of fish. And their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boats to come out and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. And so to Simon's amazement, they put the nets out. And it seems to be right away they caught so many fish, they were on, the nets were on the verge of breaking. So they signaled the other boat. The other boat came over and they filled both boats with so many fish that the boats began to be weighted down. And I don't think they sank, but it was... That's just telling you how many fish they had. Now, when Simon cast his nets out, I speculate Simon had no faith at all. I don't think he thought, hey, you know, this is going to be great. I think he thought, why am I doing this? This is dumb. I don't think Simon had one iota of faith that this was going to do anything, but he obeyed. He obeyed despite his doubt. He chose to obey Jesus' command. And the end result was a great blessing for Simon, a great bless for the other fishermen that were with him because disciples obey Jesus' commands. So let's think for a minute about how we are often in Simon's shoes, as it were. Simon's experience and his logic told him that putting those nets out in the daylight would be of no use. Not only would he catch nothing, he would lose his sleep for the day. He'd have to go back to the shore, clean the nets again, put them away again, and he was very tired. But Simon chose to obey, and he was blessed. I'd like us just to take one example today of Jesus' instructions that many people struggle with today. Jesus talked a lot about the importance of using our money God's way. Jesus himself said that his followers should tithe. 
They should give 10% of their income to God through, in Jesus' day, the synagogue today, through the local church. And yet many people think they can't possibly do it. Why? Because they don't have the wherewithal to do it. They're barely making it financially now. In fact, I read some news lately that, what was it, something like 7 out of 10 Americans are now living paycheck to paycheck. And I guess what that means is that every paycheck, everything's being spent, right? And you're just waiting for the next paycheck in order to make the bills uh, get paid, the food to be bought, the rent to be paid, or whatever. And so people reason using logic. I have 100% of all my income. If I give away 10% to tithe, I'll only have 90% left. And since I'm spending all the 100%, uh, it's not going to work. It's just simply not going to work. God's word, on the other hand, promises that when you tithe, you will be blessed and have more than you would have if you hadn't tithed. Now, that doesn't make rational sense. Uh, but as Doug said when he was introducing the uh, offering, he says God actually tells us because he knows people are going to have Trouble tithing, because it doesn't make sense to the logical mind. God says, test me in this. Test me. Try it out. Give to me and see if I don't, the scripture says in Malachi 3, open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing upon you. So God says, try it and see if it works. Now, Carol and I, my wife and I, have been fortunate in the past, that we had parents that taught us to tithe at an early age. I mean, I remember, and this really dates me, you know, if I would get a dime, you know, now that's nothing. We don't even pick up dimes on the ground, do we? Uh, it's not worth it. A dime, if I got a dime for my allowance, I gave a penny to the church. You know, I put a penny in. And um, <clears throat> now you guys, you know, the children are talking about many dollars, you know, but now it was a dime back in my day. But God has blessed us over the years, and we've never been rich, but we've always had more than enough, enough to meet our needs and to help others. In fact, we have been blessed by tithing so that we are able to give above a tithe. We give to missions as well, we give offerings, and God continues to bless us. And so we encourage you, God wants to bless you. He doesn't want to impoverish you. In fact, the scripture says that when you don't tithe, what does God do? He actually takes money away from you. Uh, you don't actually get to keep it. He's going to take it away from you. And uh, when you tithe, he's going to bless you financially. He's going to bless you in other ways as well. So we encourage you to test God out on that if you are not already doing it. So disciples obey God's commands. That's just one. There are many commands in the Bible, but God wants you to be blessed in every area Disciples, not only do they listen to God's word, not only do they obey God's commands, they leave everything to carry out their purpose, which is to make more disciples. Verse 8, but when Simon and Peter saw it, this great catch of fish, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. So what was the impact after Peter obeyed Jesus and this result came in, this miracle happened that was far greater than he expected? 
he began to realize that Jesus' commands brought blessing when you obey them and that he had doubted Jesus. I believe that's what his heart I didn't believe Jesus. I'm a sinful man. I haven't learned to trust Jesus yet. He felt that he, didn't, he wasn't worthy to be around Jesus. The guys with him, so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. You see, Jesus hadn't asked Simon to put down the nets again just so he could catch more fish. Jesus was teaching Simon Peter an important lesson. He's teaching him the importance of obedience, and he was preparing him for the next thing that he was going to command him to do. Listen carefully to how Jesus addresses Peter again. He gives him two commands. First of all, do not be afraid. Don't be afraid of following me, Peter. Don't be afraid of what I might not ask you to do, command you to do. Don't be afraid. I've got a purpose for your life. And that's the best thing you could possibly do with your life. So don't be afraid. Don't be worried. I'm going to ask from you everything. But don't be afraid. It's going to be okay. The second command was, your life is going to change. From now on, you're not going to be a fisherman of fish anymore. You're going to be catching men. You're going to be making disciples of other people, making more disciples. Verse 11, and when they had brought their boats to the land, they left everything and followed him. So what was their response? They could have said, we can't do that. We've got a family to feed. That doesn't make sense, Jesus. How are we going to live? How are we going to support ourselves? How can we stop Quit our jobs. Are you going to pay us? I don't know. We don't see any of those questions asked. They simply parked their boats, left everything it says, and began to follow Jesus. They had left their jobs as fishermen and become catchers of men. Their old way of life was over, and they had committed to a new way of life of being disciples of Jesus. And so disciples leave everything to follow Jesus and make more disciples. So what does this mean for us today? What does it mean to leave everything today to follow Jesus? It means to leave everything behind that's going to keep you from obeying Jesus. Anything that would get in your way of obeying and following what Jesus tells you to do, you need to leave behind. Jesus' main purpose for Peter's life was for him to catch people to make disciples of Jesus. And I believe that that is the primary purpose for each of us. To tell people about Jesus, to be witnesses for Jesus, and to see people saved. Does it mean that every one of us must leave our jobs like Peter did? No, not at all. 
Most of us are to use our jobs in the places where God has put us to be his witness there. That's part of God's master plan to spread his witnesses all around in every aspect of society. We all have different spheres of influence. We all have different workplaces. We all have different things that we do. And in those areas, God calls each of us to be witnesses for him. Now, some people are called, like Peter, to leave their jobs, to go into full-time ministry even today. I had a, was a full-time researcher at Monsanto. I had a, a Ph.D. in chemistry, which I don't use anymore. <laughs> and uh, God called me into full-time ministry. So I went to seminary and uh, eventually began to pastor. But that's actually a minority of people are called to full-time ministry. If you're called, God may be calling some of you. I don't know. God calls people at different stages of life. I worked in a secular vocation for quite a few years before God called me. So you never know when God's going to call you to do something full-time. But for most of us, God's got us in the place he wants us to be. We just need to be witnesses where we're at. Letting Jesus... Let his light shine through us wherever we go. Now, in order to do that, to be witnesses for Jesus, we need to be able to hear his voice all throughout the day, no matter where we're at. Sometimes we're tempted to think that we hear God on Sunday mornings, which we do. We hear God speak to us here. But what about when we're at work? Are we listening? Because God is not quiet. He's always speaking. Are we listening when we're at work, when we're on the job, when we're friends, when we're with relatives? Are we listening to what God is speaking to us? And you see, when God speaks to us, I hope I'm not stepping on any toes, but he doesn't give us options, you see. He doesn't say, you know, if you'd like to do this, eh, you know, it's an option for you right now. No, he commands us. He's the Lord. That's what it means to follow Jesus as Lord. He commands us. He tells us what to do. And then we have a choice. Are we going to obey? Or are we not going to obey? If we obey, we're blessed. If we don't obey, not so much. So when he talks to you and tells you to talk to your neighbor, go start a conversation with your neighbor and... Perhaps talk to them about something spiritual. Perhaps invite them to church. I don't know what he's going to tell you to do, where that relationship is at. Are you going to be shy? Are you going to be, I can't do that. Are you going to say, what will they think of me? Or are you going to say, yes, Lord, to the best of my ability, I'm going to carry out that command. I'm going to talk to this person. I'm going to not be shy. I'm going to be courageous. And as we listen what God is speaking to us, and as we step out in faith, step out to be a witness for Jesus, God is going to use each one of us to make disciples for him. Now, some fishermen catch more fish than others, right? Some catch a lot, some catch a few. We have different talents, we have different abilities. God uses people to make different numbers of disciples. Some people are going to make a lot of disciples. We call those people evangelists, right? 
God's going to use them to make hundreds or thousands of disciples for Jesus. And that's great. That's their purpose. Not many are evangelists, right? God, may, God is going to call you in your family to, and in your circle of influence, your relatives, to win those people for Jesus. God's going to call you to be a witness on your job. He's going to call you to be a witness in your neighborhood. Every person that you have a part in leading to the Lord changes eternity forever. They're going to be in heaven with you. Their eternal destiny has been changed. There's no greater purpose in life. Disciples leave everything behind to make disciples. And so from Peter's call here as a disciple of Jesus, we've learned some important lessons today. First of all, disciples listen to God's word a number of ways through the Bible, different, uh, different aspects of uh, different types of groups, through teaching, through the Holy Spirit. And once we know what God is speaking to us, we make a decision to obey. We make a decision to carry out what God instructs us to do. As we've said, Jesus doesn't give suggestions. He doesn't give us a bunch of options. He tells us what to do. He gives commands. And oftentimes, the commands that Jesus gives us don't make a lot of sense. We can think of a lot of reasons not to obey. A lot of reasons why it might not work, why something bad might happen if we carry out his commands. But when we obey, we are blessed. And the kingdom advances. And finally, disciples leave everything to follow Jesus and make more disciples. You really can't be a 50% disciple. You know, I'm in 50%. I'm going to do my own thing, the other 50%. You can't even be a 90% disciple. You want to be, God calls us to be 100% disciples, all in. Scripture doesn't say that Peter left 50% and kept 50%. He left everything to follow Jesus. And when we do that, we will find fulfillment. We will be fulfilling our life's purpose and changing people's lives for eternity. That's why we're here on this planet, to change people's lives for eternity. There's no greater calling, there's no greater purpose in life than that. And one day... Those that have been saved, those who have become disciples of Jesus through the things that you have said, the things you have done, the commands that you have obeyed, will welcome you in, in heaven and you'll be with them forever and ever with the Lord. So to become a disciple of Jesus, to become a follower of His, we go through this every Sunday, it's for Everyone who's here and those who are listening online or may watch or listen to the message in the future. If you're not a believer, I encourage you to, to really take seriously these three steps. Perhaps you're a believer and you want to recommit your life to the Lord this morning or as you're listening to this. And as we go through this every week, this is also a one way, an easy way to remember how to tell someone else how to become a disciple of Jesus. Everyone here should be able to lead someone through a simple prayer. 
of giving their life to Jesus Christ so that they can become a disciple, a follower of Jesus. First of all, you admit that you've sinned. You repent, you turn away from that sin. Sin is simply doing what you want to do in life, not what God calls you to do. Secondly, you believe in Jesus. That he died on the cross that our sins might be forgiven. He rose from the dead. He's alive today and we commit ourselves to following him all the days of your life. So I'd like to ask everyone here to bow your head. I'm going to pray a prayer. I encourage you to pray along with me if you'd like to commit your life for the first time or recommit your life. Pray something like this. Father, today I admit that I've sinned. I repent. I turn away from that sin. I believe Jesus died on the cross that I might be forgiven. Please forgive me. I believe you rose from the dead. You're alive today. Come into my life. I commit myself to following you as my Lord and Savior. We also pray, Father, we thank you for your word this morning, what you've taught us. Help us to listen to your word each and every day, throughout the day. Help us to listen to your instructions, to your commands. And as we hear, may we have the heart to obey, to put them into practice, to apply them to our lives. God, we ask that you would help us to make more disciples, to make a difference for eternity with our lives, with the people that you've placed around us. Give us the courage to listen and to put into practice the things you tell us to do to to draw other people closer to you. And finally, God, we pray for the, the war in the Ukraine, God. We pray you'd bring peace there. We pray, Lord, that your kingdom would somehow advance in this terrible situation among the refugees going to other countries and even the believers that are there in Ukraine and those who are turning to you in this terrible time. We pray that evil would be stopped there and that peace would come, and that somehow you'd use this, God, to bring more people into your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen. If you made a commitment or recommitment of your life today, we have uh, a couple of things over there in the table in the foyer, Startup Studies, New Believers, New Testament. We encourage you to pick those up. And also check a box on the back of your Connect card so that we can pray for you. Next Sunday, we're continuing this series with a message called, Does Jesus Still Heal Today? Of course, you've been here for a while, you know what the answer is going to be, but that's what we're going to talk about uh, so that you can actually explain it to others. And now we're going to have a, a brief time of prayer for healing. Our scripture for this morning on healing is Matthew 8, 16 to 17. That evening they brought to him many who were oppressed by demons and he cast out the spirits with a word and he healed all who were sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took our illnesses and bore our diseases. Again, as we go through scripture after scripture, we see Jesus healing people. Jesus setting people free from demonic forces. And this had been prophesied in the Old Testament. This was part of Jesus' ministry when he was here on earth. It's part of Jesus' ministry through his church today. It's always been the same. And so we're going to pray right now. If there's someone that you know who is sick that you'd like us to pray for, 
or if you yourself are battling some type of disease, illness, injury, we'd ask you as a point of faith to simply raise your hand up as a token of reaching out to God for healing this morning. I encourage you just to raise your hand up. There's somebody that you're praying for, and let's pray together. Father, today we, we thank you for your scripture. We thank you for the accounts after account after account of you healing people, showing us that your will is to have people healed physically, emotionally, spiritually, God. We pray for healing for those that are in our minds, that are in our hearts right now. We pray that your healing power would, this morning, be sent forth and bring healing into their lives, wholeness into their lives. We thank you that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. Particularly this morning, we pray for people who are battling cancer. In Jesus' name, we come against cancer in the name of Jesus. We rebuke it in Jesus' name. We pray that you would bring healing, complete healing. Whether it's an early case of cancer, whether it's a late case of cancer, God, we pray for complete healing, for eradication of those cancer cells from the bodies of those who are Suffering, God. In Jesus' name we pray. We pray for complete remission, complete healing, miraculous healing of cancer in Jesus' name. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.